0: Welcome back to the latest episode of the Short-Term Rentals podcast, now on episode six. My name is Paul Stevens, news editor of Short-Term Rentals, and today I'm speaking to Jesse DePinto, who is co-founder and chief product officer at Frontdesk, which is a short-term rental apartment startup based in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Hi, Jesse. How are you?
1: Hi, Paul. I'm doing well. Uh, Happy to be on here. Thanks for having me.
0: It's a pleasure to have you on as well. Um, so, today, as you know, we're going to be talking about Front Desk's recent funding round of $6.8 million and what it means, the long term viability of the master lease model, and also optimism for when bookings may start to pick up again post pandemic. So, Jesse, my first question is. How has front desk been affected by the COVID nineteen outbreak, and how difficult, as well, was it for you to organize your recent funding round amid, amid um, all of the global lockdown?
1: Yeah, uh, it in short, it's changed a lot uh, about our business. Um, I'll I'll hit on the second point first. Uh, so, our funding round, we just closed our Series A, uh, six point eight million dollars of a uh, combination of equity and debt. And we're very excited about that. Um, in uh, candidly, we this has been in the works for the past couple months. Uh, so a lot of it was already committed and closed before uh, COVID broke out. Um, but when uh, when the the virus did start to spread, uh, it did change the plans. And in short, we increased the amount that we needed to raise. Uh, clearly, uh, we were in the middle of a funding round, and we realized that. Uh, not only would we benefit from having more uh, cash and more runway uh, on a defensive side, but we also realized there's potentially going to be a lot of uh, offensive uh, type of opportunities that might present themselves along the way. Um, So we raised more than we set out to raise. And thanks to the overwhelming support of our existing uh, investors, we uh, were able to successfully uh, raise. But uh, to answer your first question, you know it's not all—it's uh, not all great news. It's you know our bookings took a major hit. Uh, I think April at its worst uh, was when it was at its worst in the United States, where we primarily operate. Um, we our bookings were down 60%, uh, and you know that that was the worst. And it's it's getting better, it appears. Um, but when your business takes such a hit like that, you just can't put your head in the sand and pretend that. Uh, everything's gonna be better. So we ended up uh, unfortunately uh, and sadly having to part ways with about 16% of our workforce, um, about 35 employees ranging from cleaners to uh, to marketers. Um, so we had to make some major decisions. We had to reposition. We would have had to cut a lot more if uh, if our team wasn't so, and our employees weren't so dedicated and able to be repositioned. So. Uh, you know, we had to reposition a fair amount of our workforce uh, off of uh, pure growth efforts and more toward uh, revenue generation uh, and sustainability efforts. Uh, not unlike uh, what some of our peers have gone through. So it's been a a major change. Uh, both there's there's some highlights, some lowlights, uh, but overall it's uh, entirely different than uh, what we mapped out twenty twenty to look like uh in some good ways and some bad
0: thank you and so the next for the next question i wanted to touch on what your opinion was on the master lease model and how how viable do you think it is for the future we've seen the likes of stay Alfred, for example in recent weeks how would you think it will change the way companies view balancing profitability with sustainable growth from now on
1: Yeah, I think we're going to see a major shift away from master lease uh, model in the short-term rental space uh, post-COVID. We're already seeing that in a major way. Uh, You know, Zeus, for example, I would put in the short-term rental category, uh, was publicly saying they're negotiating every single one of their leases and converting them into revenue sharing agreements. Uh, We're hearing the same thing from all of our uh, competitors and friends across the country, um, and we're doing the same as well. So there is a, a renewed emphasis on sustainability and revenue-sharing type of models. Um, though I wouldn't say the master lease model is necessarily dead. Uh, I think people may overcorrect in this period and uh, and shift entirely away from it. Uh, but the master lease model uh, still serves a, a very good purpose if done right. Uh, so paying you know twenty percent over market rate rent uh, and signing you know, five to 10-year uh, master lease contracts is is potentially not the right way to do it. But if you're more conservative with your master leasing approach, uh, and, you know, it all depends on, that's just one of the many terms in the, in the agreement structure. Uh, so I, th- I certainly think there's a path forward on master leasing, uh, but obviously we're seeing <laughs> the, the negative side effects. Uh, yes, they operate. Lyric uh, is another um, that, you know, from what we can see, they're down to one property. Uh, you know, from previously being somewhere around 400 or 500 units. Um, so there's definitely a contraction happening. Uh, but, but there's also, um, you know, other, compet- other uh, operators are, are growing right now and they're continuing to grow their revenue sharing business. I think a lot of us in the industry saw the writings on the wall post WeWork. Uh, and that was really a good trigger point to uh, force a conversation in the boardrooms across all of the startups to say, maybe we should start looking at, uh, you know, worst case scenarios here. Uh, Nobody was expecting this type of black swan event, but I think, you know, a handful of people maybe expected some kind of recession uh, around 2020, 2021. Um, So a lot of us were already preparing for this and starting to convert our our leases over to revenue sharing leases. The problem is some competitors, uh, some of the larger ones specifically, Had been signing such long commitments that uh, that there's just they were too far in the master leasing model at the very high risk um, side of it. Uh, That it just didn't doesn't it's it's a lot harder to go backwards when you've already gone so far forwards so aggressively. uh, So that those more growth at all costs type of startups um, in the space are are seeing a lot more. Uh, friction uh, when it comes to renegotiating their leases. Uh, most of our leases are twelve months, so it's a lot easier to reopen the lease at renewal time uh, and and take a look at how we need to shift things. It's a lot harder when it's a five year lease um, lease commitment. So I, I I think the master lease model will, will exist uh, and just just in a much different format. I mean, one thing, for example, is uh, you know we're hearing from some other Peers, international peers, who are doing some type of hybrid model that seems to be taking root, where it's uh, a revenue sharing, but there's some kind of minimum guaranteed rent. Maybe it's 50% minimum guaranteed rent, and it's enough for the landlords and the owners to uh, to get comfortable with it, but it's also enough for the operator to not get completely squeezed when when and if travel dries up again. Uh, So there's that. There there are ways that you can structure it so that it's um, it's uh, effectively master lease, but with uh, added commission. Um, we'll see definitely creative destruction happening, mostly in the lease agreements in this field. I think the product will remain very similar, maybe more on the longer term side of the house, uh, but the agreement structures will look very different <laughs> post COVID. Would be my prediction if I had to guess.
0: Um, and also looking ahead, how. And in, in another um, interest, how would you say, how optimistic are you for the future of travel? And is there any indication you're getting for when bookings might be picking up again?
1: Um, yeah, we're obviously it varies by market. Everything that the, uh, that's talked about in the industry, uh, there seems to be pretty widely known consensus about the types of travel that are going to rebound first. Um, obviously drive-to markets, more traditional vacation destinations, uh, rural areas where you can spread out a little bit more, kind of that shifting away from the tier ones uh, and the uh, more um, traditional uh, tourist destinations, as Brian Chesky calls it, the great redistribution of travel. Um, I certainly believe uh, and buy into all of those trends and predictions. also, as you might expect, you know, there's consensus among the, uh, the business travel rebounding slower than leisure. Uh, certainly any kind of convention traffic and travel for conventions um, and international uh, is going to be much slower to rebound. Um, in, terms of, uh, in terms of travel, I, I have two reasons to be uh, kind of hopeful right now. One is just on the pure short term. Uh, let's call it, uh, let's call it one to one night to two weeks at a time. Um, That is starting to pick up again. So just as of the past week, we've seen an incredible bounce back. Um, I think the pent up demand is starting to, uh, at least in the United States, uh, people are starting to get stir crazy. And uh, maybe they're, they're traveling for not good reasons. But other times, maybe they're, they're traveling to see family, we tend to get a lot of people traveling for family reasons, um, both good and bad type of uh, family events, uh, along with the obvious healthcare professionals uh, and frontline workers. Um, but so there's a, a little reason for optimism on the short-term market, but there's also reason to be optimistic about the long term or the mid midterm stays. Uh, so there's there's a lot of attention right now on is midterm the new short term or uh, you know, Airbnb transforming into a real estate company of, of, you know, doing more monthly stays rather than short-term stays. Um, I certainly believe a lot of that is due to COVID and Airbnb, Sonder, uh, Front Desk, and all the other short-term companies in the industry are doing that for means of survival today. Um, but I do think that the, as with many uh, periods of turbulent change, mostly in economic recessions, uh, there are habits that are formed with consumers. So people are learning now that they can go to um, Airbnb to search for a furnished apartment for six months that may be the same cost as uh, on a monthly basis as a 12 month lease in an unfurnished apartment. Uh, So they just happen, the pricing happens to work out today. And the calendar calendar availability happens to work out today where these uh, more long term shoppers and more uh, residents and tenants of usually, typically apartment buildings are uh, are seeking out different channels uh, for their stay, especially today while the world is so uncertain uh, half the world and half the country doesn't know if they're still going to have a job at the end of this uh, or whether school's gonna be canceled for the next semester. Um, So the big question is, do I move in with with, uh, mom and dad uh, for a few months until I figure out whether my college is gonna start in the fall or do I get kind of a short-term temporary apartment? Um, So we're getting a lot of, I think, demand and eyeballs shifting away from the traditional apartments.com, zillow apartment listing sites and moving on to more of the short-term sites like airbnb um, and potentially HomeAway or some uh, vrbo or some of the direct channels um, so that obviously is going to once travel recovers those prices are going to get priced and we're going to start pricing people out of the, those markets but consumers are still going to have the airbnb app downloaded on their phone for example and they're still going to realize that Airbnb is a good place to, to check first next time they're looking for a monthly stay, um, or even potentially replacing their twelve month lease, leases with uh, with monthly stays. So, um, you know, for us, we've gone from a three night uh, average length of stay to about a twenty night average length of stay. And while that's you know heavily in, uh, influenced by uh, the coronavirus right now, I do believe that when things stabilize and short-term travel rebounds that we may, you know, hover somewhere closer to 10 nights uh, of an average stay length because that market is just shifting. Uh, you know, the analogy I, I like to give is uh, we're, we're looking at the difference between uh, people who use Uber and Lyft uh, who own a car versus don't own a car. Uh, but I think in a similar way, people that use uh, short-term rentals in Airbnb today Um, already have a place to live. They're using these short-term accommodations to stay. Um, Whereas what we're seeing in the transportation market is people are getting so accustomed to these on-demand transportation apps like Uber and Lyft that they ditch their car because they realize it's actually cheaper for them just to uh, never own a car and never pay for maintenance, gas. And in the same way, apartment living and even owning a house, uh, you pay the cable, you pay for furniture, um, upkeep uh, utilities in some cases it, it may actually be economically prudent to uh stay in short term apartments uh rot and ditching the concept of a twelve month lease uh especially if your job is inclined to uh to lots of travel or your uh your behavior is <laughs> is uh, t- you enjoy traveling in your free time um the thing that's i think gonna accelerate that trend is the work from home movement. Uh, I, I, I like the expression that I've heard, picked up on online that when work from home turns into work from anywhere, uh, then why are would people still be stuck with a 12-month lease? Uh, I think humans are more wired to want to roam. Uh, and the only reason they, they stay put is based on principles laid before us in agricultural and industrial revolutions, where we have a reason to be tethered. But Uh, If you take away the concept of coming into an office and you take away the concept of having to sign a 12-month lease or buy a home somewhere to live, um, then, you know, the world is your oyster to to roam as you feel uh, free. So that, you know, that's more, uh, I I guess, just uh, theory at this point. Uh, Nobody knows how how that's going to shake out. But I do believe there's a number of trends that, you know, if the digital nomad, uh um, market and concept was to go mainstream uh that that this would be the trigger point uh the coronavirus um, outbreak here uh to push that mainstream so th- we're really redefining what it means for travel so that's that's the long-winded answer to your question of uh optimism for travel it depends on how you uh what lens you view travel through uh but there is reason to be hopeful on both sides
0: well we always need a bit of optimism and I mean, this is my last question, it's something that we're asking a lot of people within the industry right now. And that regards, what, what do you kind of envisage with what the future normal might look like in the post-COVID-19 short-term mental multifamily space and what that's going to look like, essentially?
1: Yeah, I think, um, yeah, obviously, I, I already kind of went down that path in terms of the future normal. Um, But the thing I didn't get a chance to touch on is the increasing need for standardization. Um, The, uh, you know, hotels have a leg up here where they are able to enforce certain levels of cleanliness and uh, short-term rental hosts, Airbnb hosts, um, all types of vacation rental hosts uh, have not been known for (laughs) consistency in their, their cleaning. Um, so there's there's a need for standardization, especially on the cleaning front right now. Uh, and I think Airbnb is doing a good job here, pushing those standards uh, with the badge that you can get for uh, opting into their um, their. I think it's called the buffer, uh, the buffer that they have where you can have a day in between stays, um, up to three days, just to be sure in some cases. Um, so I think the OTAs are taking a bit of a role in terms of enforcing standardization, um, but one, there's another aspect of standardization that I think is only going to get more important, uh, which is the need for safety and security standards. Uh, so we saw kind of toward the last ha- half of 2019, uh, the ugly side of short-term rentals and uh, not enforcing certain uh, certain criminal screening or ID verification or other type of fraud detection policies. Um, The OTAs have really stepped it up since then, uh, but I think more needs to be done. uh, And I think that there is, especially when you're talking multifamily, where uh, what I call mixed-use apartments, uh, mixed-use communities where there are long-term residents sharing the same walls, entryways, and building access as uh, short-term rental guests, there is an increased need to ensure safety and uh, security standards are followed um, to ensure that you're not keeping the same code on your lockbox for for a month at a time. Uh, Make sure that, uh, you know, if it's an apartment community and long-term residents are being screened, uh, criminal background screens to be part of that community, that the short-term rental guests are held to the same standards. Um, So that is less related to coronavirus. I just think the timing has happened and uh, it, it was already on the verge. So uh, I definitely think the increase of standardization is needed, uh, and between the OTAs and the, um, the property managers and, and brands like Front Desk and, um, and our peers uh, need, as an industry, to push that level of standardization, both for the assurance of guests who are looking to book a short-term rental over a traditional hotel uh, accommodation, um, but also for the comfort and security of the uh, long-term residential communities that many of these short-term rentals are operating within. Um, I think will be important to, uh, to rebound from this. Awesome.
0: Uh, well, that concludes all of my questions. So thank you very much for talking to me today, Jesse, and for being our latest guest on the podcast
1: absolutely paul i happy to be here and a big fan i'll be continuing to follow your uh, your stories thank you for everything you do for the industry as well
0: thank you very much and just a reminder as well to everyone listening that you can follow all of the latest news features and opinions from the global short-term rental industry on shorttermrentals.com where you can also sign up to our weekly newsletters which come out every monday and now thursday